Right. So in just a moment, we'll get started. If you'd like to say hello in the chat, we'd love to say hello back. Thanks, Judy, and welcome, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Opening words this morning are from my friend and colleague of blessed memory, Nancy Schaefer. This is her poem, Calling. When you heard that voice and knew finally it called for you and what it was saying, where were you? Were you in the shower, wet and soapy or chopping cabbage late for dinner? Were you planting radish seeds or seeking one lost sock? Maybe wiping handprints off a window or coaxing words into a sentence or coming upon a hyacinth or one last no. Where were you when you heard that ancient voice and did yes get born right then and did you weep? Had it called you since before you even were and when you knew that, did your joy escape all holding? Where were you when you heard that calling voice and how in that moment did you mark it? How ever after are you changed? Tell us please all you can about that voice. Teach us how to listen, how to hear. Teach us all you can of saying yes. Good morning and welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Lynn Cox, you can use they, them pronouns for me, and I'm the interim leader here. Today's platform is about how our communities can lay the groundwork for us to become our best selves. We, we begin today's platform with music from interim music coordinator, Leah Morris. Johnny, we're not able to hear the sound. Can we try try that again? Okay, I think we're gonna try that again, folks. When I rise, I will rise. And when I fall, I will. When I rise, I will rise like a bird joyfully. And when I fall, I will fall like a leaf gracefully. When I rise, I will rise. 
the bird so joyfully, joyfully and when I fall Welcome once again to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Judy Myers, and the pronouns I use are she and her, and I'm today's officiant. Visitors, we especially welcome you from near and far. We hope that you'll say hello in the chat and that you might send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, at maceot at ethicalsociety.org. That's M-A-C-E-O-T at ethicalsociety.org. You can also fill out a connection form. Maceo will put that link into the chat. And we hope you'll join us after the platform service for a chance to say hello. Today is the first Sunday of the month. So we'll have a special coffee hour group for visitors and newcomers. If you've got questions, Maceo has answers. We'll give more detailed instructions at the end of the platform. Our chat will stay open through much of the platform service, closing for the address itself and then reopening. If you don't, don't want to see the chat, this is a good time to minimize it. Closed captioning is also available and you can turn that on or off as you prefer. Each week, a member of our community reads our statement of purpose so that we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. If you are interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc slash readSOP. This week, our reader is Peter Bishop, Bishop, excuse me, representing one of three generations of bishops who joined Wes all at the same time, and a frequent speaker in the philosophy discussion group, which next meets on May 23rd. Now I invite Peter to read our statement of purpose. Thank you, Judy. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit with faith in human goodness we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Peter. If you have a candle at home, I invite you to light it now as I share our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Thanks, Judy. May it be so. Thanks, Peter. This story is said to be rooted in India and comes to us by way of a collection of stories edited by Betsy Hill Williams. 
I don't know if the story happened exactly this way, but I believe it's true. A water bearer had two large pots and each hung on one end of a pole that he carried across his neck. And one of the pots had a crack in it. At the end of the long walk from the stream back to his employer's house, the cracked pot arrived only half full while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water. And for two years, this went on daily with the bearer delivering only one and a half pots full of water to his employer's house. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, perfect to the end for which it was made. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its imperfection and miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream. I am ashamed of myself and I want to apologize to you. Why, asked the bearer, what are you ashamed of? I have been able for these past two years to deliver only half of my load because this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your employer's house. Because of my flaws, you have to do all this work and you don't get full value from our efforts, the pot said. Well, the water bearer felt sorry for the cracked pot. And in his compassion, he says, as we return to the house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. And indeed, as they went up the hill, the old cracked pot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful wild flowers on the side of the path. And this cheered it up some, but at the end of the trail, it still felt sad because it had leaked out half of its load. And so again, the pot apologized to the bearer for its failure. And the bearer said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? That's because I have always known about the crack and I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path and every day while we walk back from the stream, you have watered them. For two years, I've been able to pick beautiful flowers to decorate my employer's table without you being just the way you are. He would not have had this beauty to grace his house. We all have our own unique flaws. We are all cracked pots. In the great web of life, nothing goes to waste. Don't be afraid of your flaws. Acknowledge them and you too can be the cause of beauty. Know that in our weakness, we find our strength. So ends the story. As we consider the ways we learn and grow and bring out the best in one another, we move into the centering time of our platform. Each week, we ring a chime in solidarity, in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of people, people dealing with the effects of COVID, particularly, particularly those in India. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us.
Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. We continue our centering time with a reading followed by meditation. The reading is based on a passage from Understanding Our Own Mind by Thich Nhat Hanh. If you plant a seed in springtime, by autumn, a plant will mature and bear flowers. From those flowers, new seeds will fall to the earth where they will be stored until they sprout and produce new flowers. Our mind is a field in which every kind of seed is sown. Seeds of compassion, joy, and hope. Seeds of sorrow, fear, and difficulties. Every day, our thoughts, words, and deeds plant new seeds in the field of our consciousness, and what these seeds generate becomes the substance of our life. There are both wholesome and unwholesome seeds in our mind field, sown by ourselves and our parents, schooling, ancestors, and society. If you plant wheat, wheat will grow. If you act in a wholesome way, Thich Nhat Hanh says you will be happy. If you act in an unwholesome way, you will water seeds of craving, anger, and violence in yourself and others. As we cultivate the seeds of joy and transform seeds of suffering in ourselves, understanding, love, and compassion will flower. So ends the reading. As we enter into a time of meditation, you may wish to close your eyes or soften your gaze and notice your breathing. There's been a lot said about breathing in the last year and being aware of how sharing breath with other people can be risky, yet we still have to breathe to live. So let's breathe mindfully. Notice the feeling of your in-breath and your out-breath. Notice the feelings in your body, your posture, your stability, your aches, and your ease. Bring to mind and heart a seed that you would like to plant in your consciousness. Maybe the seed is one word, such as kindness, or authenticity, or openness. Maybe the seed is inspired by someone in your life whose example lifts your spirit. Maybe the seed will take root in place of something you are weeding from your consciousness. Take a moment to bring one seed to mind and heart. This seed falls in a field that is watered by cracks and nourished by experience. This seed falls in a place where the light of truth and the warmth of compassion encourage it to grow. This seed falls in a place where a community of friends and neighbors and other pollinators help to sustain life. In the peace of this moment, let's hold the seed and open ourselves to its growth. We continue our meditation in silence and in the music that follows. I was muted for that, wasn't I?
Hear the wind of change. Hear the wind of change. This reading comes from the book Lab Girl by Hope Jaren. A seed knows how to wait. Most seeds wait for several years before starting to grow. A cherry seed can wait for a hundred years with no problem. What exactly each seed is waiting for is known only to that seed. Some unique trigger combination of temperature, moisture, light, and many other things is required to convince a seed to jump off the deep end and take its chance, to take its one and only chance to grow. A seed is alive while it waits. Every acorn on the ground is just as alive as a 300 year old, old oak tree that towers over it. Neither the seed nor the old oak is growing. They are both just waiting. Their waiting differs, however, in that the seed is waiting to flourish, while the tree is only waiting to die. When you go into a forest, you probably tend to look up at the plants that have grown so much taller than you ever could. You probably don't look down, where just beneath your single footprint sits between 100 and 1,000 seeds, each one alive and waiting. When you are in the forest, for every tree that you see, there are no less than three million more trees waiting in the soil, fervently wishing to be. When the embryo within a seed starts to grow, it basically just stretches out of its doubled over waiting posture, elongating into official ownership of the form that it assumed years ago. The hard coat that surrounds a peach pit, a sesame or mustard seed, or a walnut's shell mostly exists to prevent this expansion. In the laboratory, we simply scratch the hard coat and add a little water, and it's enough to make almost any seed grow. I must have cracked thousands of seeds over the years, and yet the next day's green never fails to amaze me. Something so hard can be so easy if you just have a little help. In the right place, under the right conditions, you can finally stretch out into what you are supposed to be. Each beginning is the end of a waiting. We're each given exactly one chance to be. Each of us both, each of us is both impossible and inevitable. Every replete tree was first a seed 
that waited. Thanks, Judy. I have to admire the bravery of crocus flowers. They peek out of the soil in the early spring with such optimism, occasionally overlapping with a couple of encores of cold and thaw before they give the stage over to the full flowering of spring. Maybe you can see that full flowering where you are today. But the crocuses are like the advanced team. When the condition a few inches below the topsoil are right, they get going, even if things aren't perfect at the surface level. Crocuses are determined. They can't be anything other than themselves. Sometimes I wish for the courage of the crocus, the courage to bloom when I know from within that it is time to grow. I wish for determination that comes from underground awareness, unaltered by the thin crust of the obvious on top. When that courage does come to me, it arrives partly through the support of people who care for me unconditionally, partly through the uncomfortable process of learning. But mostly it's a mystery. Acceptance is one of the things that gives people the courage to bloom. Sharing joy and honesty makes room for us to mature. Author and scholar Brene Brown would say that acceptance encourages vulnerability and that vulnerability is a key ingredient in our capacities to grow, mature, be in relationship, raise children, do our best work and other big goals. Brown is a research professor at the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work. Her 2012 book, Daring Greatly, translates the data from thousands of interviews into an accessible and thoughtful analysis of what we can do to increase the courage we need to be our best selves. As it turns out, Brown's research grounded in the evidence of human experience and supported by theories of psychology and social work has a lot in common with a philosophy that may sound familiar. We too are interested in what we might learn if we can admit that we can be wrong. We too find meaning in struggle. We are, or at least we try to be, open to new information and new paradigms. Open to science and reason and the insights of reliable data. Humanism frames humans as worthy beings whose imperfect choices do not negate our value. We are inherently worthy, and we don't need to be perfect to earn that worth. I think we can agree with Brown that humans have a fundamental need for relationships. Brown says that we are hardwired for connection and belonging. We talk about the interdependence of life and communities and how being together helps us to bring out the best in each other. So what helps us to bloom? We need space to push through the surface of uncertainty, as uncomfortable as that may be. We need the wisdom to separate what we know from within and from our trusted allies, our underground sense, from the illusions projected by shame and by those who are in the grip of fear, the snow beneath the crocus blossoms. There are three practices that will help us to bloom, to recognize that we are worthy beings who make imperfect choices, the ability to move through productive discomfort and the practice of collecting reliable growth-oriented data. The first spark of warmth that helps us to reach toward growth is the recognition that we are both 
unconditionally worthy, and extremely likely to make mistakes. Wrong turns, unskillful attempts, learning experience, and miserable failures are all part of this life. None of them take away our essential value. Our inherent worth is not conditional on accomplishment, perfection, or being on the right team. Brown writes, a sense of worthiness inspires us to be vulnerable, to share openly and persevere. She contrasts this with the experience of shame, which she defines as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And that is terrifying. We are flawed. Human beings are not perfect. If flawlessness is presented as a requirement for love and belonging, it becomes impossible to reconcile who we are with what we need. Most people don't respond well to a steady diet of shame. We are stronger when our sense of ourselves is rooted in something that goes deeper than what we make and do. Humanists, free thinkers, and other reform-minded community builders have been working on this for a long time. So the good news is we have plenty of resources built up to help us experience that sense of connection and worthiness. And here's some tougher news. Brown shows us that we can't escape shame entirely. Everybody experiences it. The messages of shame crop up wherever we go. The best we can do is to practice what she calls shame resilience. A sense of worthiness helps us to own up to our mistakes and make amends because admitting our flaws does not destroy our access to love and belonging. A sense of shame is likely to make us shut down rather than fix whatever we're being shamed for being. Part of shame resilience is recognizing bad choices do not make us bad people. Maintaining the distinction between our worthiness as beings and our potential for improvement with regard to our imperfect choices is hard. Who are we? Who we are and what we do is easy to blur together. For me, remembering this distinction is a contemplative practice. We are worthy beings who behave imperfectly. Recognizing that truth helps keep us resilient. May we stay true to our worthiness and flexible in our growth as we bloom. And then there's that feeling of discomfort that we have to move through, right? That's another practice. Some years ago, I went to a UU racial justice training and the facilitators drew a thermometer on the board and marked off three sections. They explained that the bottom section of the thermometer represented our feelings and thoughts when we aren't being challenged. Not a lot of learning or transformation takes place in that stasis zone. And then the top section, of the thermometer represented feeling overwhelmed, confronted with new information and experiences that made it difficult to absorb the learning and adapt. That middle section, representing the times when we are challenged the right amount for transformative learning, that's the growth zone. And the challenge ometer has been an enduring metaphor for me. I think it's helpful to keep in mind for any kind of learning. A little bit of discomfort can keep us alert and moving forward. Too much of any kind of stimulation, especially pain, makes progress more difficult. Though sometimes we can come back to it later and pick up the learning. 
I find this especially true as we learn more about racial justice and social justice and dismantling racism within our own hearts and communities. I'll also note that even in a community of deep affection and shared values, we will be every kind of different place on the challenge meter Racial justice has been on our minds at West, making progress on dismantling white supremacy within us, among us, and in the larger community will never be an entirely comfortable conversation. We might be discouraged about how much work there is left to do in our country, in this community, or in our own hearts. Learning about and practicing racial justice, those are hard things to do, and most things worth doing are. And that's why I'm so grateful for the past work of the members who have focused on anti-racism, anti-oppression, and multiculturalism, sometimes called A-R-A-O-M-C or AROMAC. I'm also grateful to the new group of leaders who will be using a tool from the UUA called Widening the Circle of Concern to keep that work close to our minds and hearts. If we are about the practice of inherent worth, we cannot turn away from dismantling white supremacy. If we hope for this community to be a place where all people who share the mission can bloom and thrive, it is part of community care to be constantly and consciously removing barriers to that thriving. My hope is that we're each monitoring our individual challenge-o-meters and figuring out how to stay engaged. It is tempting to withdraw from the conversation, to retreat into cynicism, or to soothe ourselves with the illusion that the work is completed. I believe our wholeheartedness is greater than our despair or our denial. If we're going to bloom, we need to push through the surface tensions. The way to expand the growth zone is to concentrate on what connects us. Remembering our relationships gives us something positive to reach for. We want everyone among us and everyone who could be among us to have the same opportunity to fully flower into their potential. Stay engaged with people, even when the ideas are too much to comprehend all at once. A certain amount of discomfort is part of growth and learning, and that's true for anything, from riding a bicycle to speaking a new language. Gathering in a community of learners can help us figure out how much pain is too much. It may be that the community needs to move ahead, even as some of us need to nurture that sense of connection more to help stretch their challenge of meeting. In other words, we don't gain optimism by avoiding challenges, but by, being, by meeting them. We need coaches sometimes to help us figure out which hurts are injuries and which hurts indicate rebuilding muscle tissue. Trying, failing, and trying again moves us forward. Brown writes that hope is a function of struggle. And she found that hope is learned. Hope is a combination of setting goals, having the tenacity and perseverance to pursue them, and believing in our own abilities. Right hope is a practice, it's a discipline, as Maryam Kaba says. In groups, Brown writes that the feedback and innovation process works better when discomfort is normalized. As humanists, we listen for emerging truth. Humanism has changed over the years and this community has changed over the years, 
Becoming who we are has involved moving through productive discomfort. The flower that blooms moves soil in its path towards the sun. So let's be earth movers. There's one more thing that can help us bloom and that's collecting reliable data. We want to listen to information that is true and that helps us grow. Unfortunately, it's easy to get tripped up by messages that sound like feedback, but are soaked in shame, blame, and personal attacks. Blamey and shamey messages come from a position that the target of the feedback is unworthy. And we know that's a false premise, so the information is suspect. And some of those messages come from inside our own heads, which makes them a little harder to resist. I'm an occasional crafter. When I've got some spare time, I like to make things with paper or bake or sew. Often I'm talking with people, and when I'm talking with people who are serious crafters, that can give me an, a sense of connection and helps me learn new things. However, when I lose focus on my own progress and get distracted by comparing myself with others, I get in trouble. I think, who am I to imagine that I could create something of value? My rational mind knows that my worth as a person is not bound up in the quality of what I produce for my hobbies, but sometimes my emotions forget. What can I do to avoid that big gaping hole of pain when I feel like a Pinterest failure? Well, quitting is an option, but that cuts off relationships. Brown suggests that we practice shame resilience. First, acknowledge the pain of a shame experience. It's as real as a hammer on the thumb. And next, reach out. Shame thrives when we hide. Seek support from someone who cares about you and will help you to stay engaged. Talk to yourself the way you would talk to someone you love. We all make mistakes. You're okay. And finally, own the story. That means following through on doing the next right thing. Then moving on and not letting that experience define you. Furthermore, Brown says the feedback that really matters comes from people who are struggling alongside you, also doing their best to live authentic, vulnerable, wholehearted lives. Messages from the people who love you no matter what carry infinitely more weight than those of the critics. I hope we are all practicing our skills for offering feedback that is rooted in relationship and love or even just being curious and supportive at appropriate times. We can remind each other that our whole selves bring something good into the world. We can be like the water bearer, calling attention to the flowers that our neighbors have helped grow. Again, even when the messages are coming from inside our own minds, they are not necessarily true. What's true is that we all have some strengths and some growing edges. An accurate assessment includes our strengths. Almost every craft item I've ever baked, glued, or stitched was made for other people with love. At the end of the day, I have more faith in lived experiences of care than in a scorecard about my sewing or card making. The reliable data draws from strength, acceptance, and unconditional love. And that is the information that signals us when it's time to bloom. Recognizing that human beings are worthy beings who make imperfect choices helps warm the ground around a waiting seed. 
Separate who you are from what you accomplish. Appreciate the people around you for being. Know that your worth as a human being is inherent. Normalize productive discomfort. Transforming ourselves with each new learning opportunity is not always pleasant or fun. Take care of yourself and each other so that we can, to the extent possible, spend time in the growth zone. Collect reliable data. Listen to the people who are on the journey with you, especially the people who know you and love you. Be skeptical of information that comes in the form of shame and blame. It's true that we all have growing edges. It's true that we need to practice and accept accountability. Yet the whole truth includes our strengths and our essential worthiness. In a warm living community, we draw each other out and together we bloom. May it be so. After some music, we'll have community sharing time when you can write into the chat about what resonated with you today. A framing question might help spark a memory of a personal experience or your direct observation. If you like, you can focus your sharing on this question or these two questions actually. Where do you find space to bloom? Who makes room for you? Who makes room for you to bloom? As we contemplate rest and reflect, let us experience the beauty of the musical response. Who I am today will not be who I am tomorrow And who I am tomorrow will keep changing every day And all the things I learned might fill my heart with joy or sorrow And everything I learned might make me want to change my ways Oh, there is nothing, no
what path their life will take and no one knows what i will see as i keep becoming me becoming me i must stay open to the change curious and free Wonderful to hear such beautiful music. This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates in our own lives. You may consider the framing questions Where do you find space to bloom? And who makes room for you? I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or Facebook comments. And we have a couple of people who have commented. Adam Limehouse says the number of instruments that Leah can play and make beautiful music with never ceases to amaze me. Yes, we enjoy all of the Leahs. Abby Dakin says, oh my God, Leah keeps outdoing herself. Indeed. Joe London says, what a perfect song for this theme. Leah is amazing, and she most certainly is. We so appreciate her. Walter and Company says, very moving music. Thank you. Johnny says, great song. Peter Bishop. Perry Bider says, this platform really resonated with me. One month into retirement, yay! I'm seeing that having so many choices to make about how to use my time is my latest growing edge. Peter Bishop says, Let's, Leah's secret is that she started being an individual orchestra as she produced her own CDs. She was well-versed in this art form before COVID. Indeed. Part of what makes her talents, many of her, her many talents, so valuable in this community and in this time. Lynn says, Leah is also very clear that she wants people at all skill levels to feel welcome to join the community of music makers. 
She is unparalleled in her talent and also wants to support each of you in making the music you can make. Naomi Goldstein says, wonderful platform, so many rich metaphors. Sue Jacobson says, thank you, Lynn, for another wonderful platform and Leah for the perfect music to accompany it. Naomi Goldstein says, platform makes me think about to fight white supremacy while also valuing the worth of every person. Nikki comments, big gaping hole of pain when I feel like a Pinterest failure still has me giggling. That is very sweet, a Pinterest failure. Failure, excuse me. Indeed, quite a, uh, a time-specific metaphor, if you will. Shayla says, Lynn, I love this platform and could relate to much of it. I also like the story of the cracked pot. Not only did it water the flowers and maybe also cool the water carrier, it also served as a character in a story. Even a literal cracked pot can serve as an illustration as in our slides this morning. Abby Dakin says, this was a wonderful platform as well. I have a couple of specific things to think about. One thing is that if messages couched in shame and blame are poor information, that calls me to couch my messages without shame and blame, another growing edge. From Trang, the metaphors were lovely and I was glad to be reminded how we must choose shame resilience and how we move through productive discomfort. I hope that we will continue the conversation. Um, Johnny says, and let's get more folks out for the Friday night Black Lives Matters vigil in front of West from five to five. Not sure that that's really what it said, should say. Come one, come all, show your support, but I am gathering it begins at five. Mark Mayer says, super platform. Is there a way to hear it again? Um, I'm not sure exactly how long it takes us to get it up, but we do typically have our platforms recorded and available online. I'm sure I'll get that information to um, share it. And Abby Dakin says another one, I suppose, growing edge is how to reconcile that our worth is not dependent on what we do yet our religion raises deeds over creeds. And Johnny correct, corrects the time for the Friday night Black Lives Matters vigil from five to 6 p.m. And uh, in response to Mark's question about being able to see and hear the platform again, the recording will be posted on the website um and one more comment from perry Bider, who comments to abby or in response to abby who we are is greater than what we do is greater than what we believe and ann baker comments words like these that remind to steer away from self-blame self-blame and toward the growing edge help 
I need constant reminders. All right. So just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. We appreciate each person's generous giving as they are able. This month, half of the offering is dedicated to Free Minds Book Club and Writing Workshop. Free Minds Book Club and Writing Workshop uses the literary arts, workforce development, and violence prevention to connect incarcerated and formerly incarcerated youth and adults to their voices, their purpose, and the wider community. On the slide, you'll see the number to give by text for today's collection, which is 202-335-1885. When you text to that number, you, I believe, will get some instructions on how to navigate. And you can also make a gift online through the donate button on our website at ethicalsociety.org. We'll now receive your gifts and continued musicians' gifts of music. Thank you so much to the many people who helped create this morning's time together. Interim music coordinator, Leah Morris and guest musician, Cosmic for the collection music. Thank you to Maceo Thomas, our membership coordinator. Thank you to Robin Kravitz for communications support. Thank you to our slide artists, John and Abby Dakin. Thanks to tech host, Johnny Buzik. And thank you to those who are leading and supporting our work in the week to come. At the conclusion of the platform, please join us for virtual coffee hour. Once we're in the Zoom coffee hour space, we'll divide into breakout groups, which you are welcome to drift in and out of as you greet different people. 
Today, we're going to use choose your own breakouts. So you can select one of these exciting options for your small group coffee hour experience. Newcomers Q&A, join Maceo Thomas and some longtime members to learn more about the Washington Ethical Society. Solo at West, this group offers more connection for those who do not arrive at West with partners or children who attend or are members alongside them. Parents, this is a check-in for those who are actively raising children and teens. Platform discussion, at least one breakout group will be for those who wish to focus their discussion on today's platform. If something resonated with you in the story, the talk, community sharing or something else, come to this breakout to continue the conversation. Social chatting, if you prefer a relaxed conversation about whatever comes to mind and heart, choose a breakout group for social chatting. As with all of the groups, you're welcome to drift in and out as you are moved. Once we're in the coffee hour Zoom, Robin will help you find the menu for choosing your breakout group. To get to the coffee hour after closing words, point your browser to tiny.cc slash West Coffee Hour. Here are a few upcoming events to be aware of. After platform and coffee hour today at one o'clock, the reopening task force will host a town hall meeting to present the plan for gradually reintroducing in-person operations of WES while still maintaining online options. You can find out uh, you can access that by going to tiny.cc slash West Membership Meeting, which Lynn has just put into the chat as well. On Saturday, May 22nd, from 10 a.m. to noon, the transition team will host a collaborative timeline event. This will be a change this will be a chance to uplift what resonates with us, challenges us, puzzles us, and excites us about West history. Save the date for our spring membership meeting on June 6th after platform. A more detailed agenda will be forthcoming. That's June 6th. We have opportunities for West members and friends to connect virtually during the week including support meetings and discussion groups. You can find the details for that and all other events on our website calendar at http, probably only two t's, https colon slash slash ethicalsociety.org. Please join us next week for Platform on Sunday, May 9th at 10.30 a.m. Interim leader Lynn Cox will speak about the rage and mourning stemming from police violence in a platform titled A Mother's Grief. Finally, thank you for being here with us. Now let's enjoy our closing song of the month, Lead the Way. Hello, Wes. This song was born pretty early last year at a time when I realized that the circumstances around me were outside of my control, the only part of the story that I was able to write 
proactively was my response to things. And even when I didn't know what to do and what the right steps were, I knew that I could call on love and that I could rely on love and let that be the force, the energy, the intention that drew me and that continues to draw me forward in what I am creating and co-creating in the world. So your part in the song is super simple. It's a call and response in the verses. I'll sing a line and then you'll sing love lead the way. And when we get to the choruses, to the refrains, I'll sing a line and you'll sing exactly that line back to me. So let's give it a go. it would be to hear the applause that undoubtedly Leah is getting. And now I invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, listening for and living into our shared story for our hearts and for our quest for a better world.
Again, please join us for virtual coffee hour. You can find the link on the slide or in the chat. If you're new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. Again, Maceo's email address is maceot at ethicalsociety.org. Or we've got the, I see that we do have the link to the coffee hour in the chat. And in addition, there is a, the aging with intention meeting today at 3 p.m. So we look to see you all in the virtual coffee hour. That information is on the slide. And it is wonderful to see so many people here joining us. Hope to see you all in the coffee hour. Have a good week. <laughs>